Always Doritos. In addition to Super, Bu- Super Bowl Sunday, this is the Sunday known as the last Sunday after the Epiphany. Something of a misnomer because there will be still other Sundays yet to come after the Epiphany, but what it means is this the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, which means Lent starts this Wednesday. I know, we're so excited. <laughs> But over the last uh, six weeks or so, in the season of Epiphany, we really haven't talked much in the sermons about the idea of Epiphany. Uh, As an Epiphany is a sudden realization or sort of a, you know, like a revelation, the Epiphany is the realization that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, both Lord and Savior. And so the season of Epiphany, which always comes right after Christmas, the season is marked by readings which increasingly make the case, sort of like bricks in a wall being added one by one, making the case that Jesus is not just a great teacher or not just a moral and loving spiritual man, but in fact that Jesus is God and he is the Savior of the world. I wonder, what was the story for you? What did your epiphany look like? When and how did you come to believe that Jesus is divine? To believe in Jesus as your Savior? As naturally worthy of your full trust and your allegiance? What sort of revelation, sort of epiphany, made that realization click for you. Or maybe you're not quite there yet. You know, you're curious, you're, you like the idea of Jesus as a great example, uh, a great teacher, but Jesus as God, Jesus as an eternal Savior or divine Lord, still wrestling with that. So let me ask you, what would, it, what would you imagine it would take for you to have that epiphany? I do think that the process and the enkindling uh, of that belief and that trust is is different for everyone. I've known folks uh, for whom it was like a light switch. I mean, there was total darkness and then, bam, epiphany. You know, they believed and the lights came on uh, for them. Uh, For me, it was much more like a sunrise. You know, it was dark and then it was kind of gradual, sometimes almost imperceptible. Uh, just over a longer period, slowly learning to believe and to trust. Sometimes clouds or full-blown storms get in the way of the light, and then those things pass, and you were warmed by the light. That's kind of how it was for me. It's different for everybody. That epiphany process, that realization, there's different circumstances in our lives. There's different hurdles that we have to get over. There's different uh, pace to the belief. There's different levels of intensity The process is different, and yet the object of our epiphanies is really the same. It is the realization that Jesus is God. That he came from heaven to reconcile us to the Father through the forgiveness of sins, which he won for us by his own death and resurrection. And further, coming to realize that he blesses us by calling us lovingly to both faith and obedience within the context of of a relationship with him. 
So what did that revelation, what did that epiphany look like for you? Or is it in some sense still happening? Or if not yet, what can you imagine that it would need to look like? And I ask this because always on the last Sunday after Epiphany, we get an account of the very strange, wonderful, but strange story known as the Transfiguration. Uh, Deacon Beth just read the account from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke also give an account of the transfiguration, and in each of these Gospels, the author has been making the case through accounts of miracles and Jesus' teaching, sort of like that brick being stacked together in the wall, making the case that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. And then, in all of those accounts, we make the case, and then it kind of culminates as Jesus confesses or Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, and then we have the transfiguration. And everything after that moves towards the cross and Jerusalem. But in the transfiguration, what we have is the affirmation that Peter is correct, that Jesus is the Christ. And in fact, Peter, it is more wonderful than you could possibly imagine. And so wherever you are in your own epiphany process, whether you're fully convinced or somehow somewhere still on that journey, I hope that it is a great encouragement to your faith to see that the transfiguration reveals Jesus' divinity, his authority, and his particularity. The divinity, the authority, and the particularity of Jesus. First, his divinity Rather than going like he usually does with all of his disciples, in this case, Jesus just takes three. He takes Peter, James, and John, and they go on a hike. And they go up this really high mountain. And up there, Jesus changes. He begins to shine. His face, his clothing, just radiate this white, like, LED kind of light, and it would have been terrifying. I mean, regular guy walking up there, and all of a sudden he's shining. I mean, they've pretty much figured out that he is not your average priest or rabbi, but they never would have expected this. Never. I mean, what would you do? I mean, like if my face started all of a sudden radiating this pure, blinding white light, and it wasn't just from the lighting or the sun catching me. It was from me. What would you expect? I mean, it would be scary. You don't have to worry. It's not going to happen. <laughs> we probably wouldn't know what to make of this very strange, very obviously supernatural story unless we go back to the Old Testament. And where in the Old Testament we would see that Moses also... Uh, went up on a high mountain. And Moses, when he was on that mountain, was in the presence of God, but actually just a little bit. He was just a little bit in the presence of God. He was talking with God. He could hear the voice of God. But then he says, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, no. It's too wonderful for you. It's too pure. It would burn you up. But because God loves to give good gifts to his children, he actually takes Moses and puts him in, the, in a crack in the rock and lets him see like 
through a keyhole, just the back of his glory. And even being exposed to just a smidge of God's glory, Moses came off the mountain glowing. He was glowing. And it would have been very much like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, except for one very obvious difference. Moses' glow was a reflected glory. It was reflected. It was kind of like a spray tan. Like it looked cool, but maybe a little freaky, and it eventually wore off. <laughs> Moses' glow was a reflected glory. But Jesus was the source of his glory. Jesus was the source Moses was the moon. Jesus was the sun. Moses had been in the presence of God. Jesus was God and is God. On the Mount of Transfiguration with his face and his clothing emanating a divine glory, Jesus revealed to these disciples that he was God. Not just a man sent from God. He is God. He took the veil off uh, the veil of his human humanity off for just a minute and he revealed to them the other 100% of his nature. Jesus revealed his divinity. So that's the first thing. But in case that's just not weird enough, Moses and Elijah show up. It's the same Moses we were just talking about. The towering figure of Hebrew history who, through whom God had given the law 1,500 years earlier, the one who had glowed coming off the mountain. But Moses wasn't alone. There was also Elijah, who was the, the prophet par excellence, the one who had been taken up in a chariot of fire five or 600 years before this. This is probably the point in the sermon where I would insert a little personal story to kind of make a point, but I don't have any stories like this. <laughs> Nothing like this has ever happened to me. It was unprecedented. It is unduplicated. And yet, this, this arrival of Moses and Elijah, this is where the transfiguration reveals Jesus' authority. Because you got here the, the greatest biblical ambassadors that you could imagine. You've got the law and the prophets represented. Moses and Elijah, the entire canon of the word of God up to this point. What could be more authoritative than that? And yet the cloud descends and the voice of the Father speaks to Peter and James and John and says, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Now, I have always heard that a little bit differently. I, you know, like, all right, knuckleheads, open up your ears. What are you doing goofing off? This is my son, listen to him. It's really like my dad voice. But the verb is not what's emphatic. It's the pronoun that's emphatic. Listen to him. He is the authority now. He's the one that the law and the prophets anticipated. He is, in fact, the lens through which we now read the law and the prophets. Moses and Elijah were my anointed servants, but this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. If he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, listen to him. If he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and 
I will refresh you. Listen to him. If he tells a parable about the judgment of God on the last day, listen to him. If he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, listen to him. If he says, I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life, or from the cross he says, it is finished, listen to him. Listen to him. He is God the Son. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the end of the law. He is the great high priest. And everything goes through him now. Listen to him. Divinity and authority revealed on the mountain. But then there's the particularity of Jesus. What in the world is he talking about? It's the uniqueness. And uniquity is not a word. It had to end in I-T-Y. The particularity of Jesus. The disciples, first terrified by the transfiguring brilliance, then confused by the presence of Moses and Elijah, then maybe a little delirious as Peter offers to build three huts, and then overshadowed by this cloud, and then shocked by the voice of the Father. And they look up, and what do they see? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. This is probably more of a like pastoral point than, than a theological point, but each one of us knows what it's like to feel terrified, to feel confused, to be delirious, to feel overshadowed or shocked. And where will we find saving help in those times? Only Jesus. Because let me tell you something that you already know. Life is hard. I mean, there's some awesome things about life, but life is tough. And those tough things, they, they like to kind of pile up on top of each other, don't they? And in those tough seasons, you need to know more than that Jesus died for your sins. Now, you don't need to know less than that, because if he didn't die for your sins and rise again, then none of what he can offer matters. You need to know he died for your sins, but you also need to know in those tough seasons... That your Savior who died for your sins, who rose, who defeated death and evil, you need to know that He is with you. He's with you. Only Jesus. He's the one who can see beyond the horizon. And so He's going to either get you over it or He's going to get you through it. And He might use your doctor. Or He might use your friends. He might use your tax professional or your therapist. But who's the one who's in charge? Only Jesus. Who is the strong tower from the enemy? Who is the safe harbor from the storm? Who is the one who welcomes the weary and the heavy laden with rest and an easy yoke? It is only Jesus. And you can insert your own personal story right there. It's only Jesus. Jesus is God. The transfiguration reveals his divinity. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. The transfiguration reveals his authority. And so isn't it amazing that this divine, authoritative Savior, that he is with you, that he is for you, that he likes you, that he can't wait to spend time with you, He doesn't take away all our problems, but he sure walks with us through them, and he gives us the strength to face them.
the disciples looked up after the transfiguration and they had an epiphany. Because who was the one who was smiling back at them? Only Jesus. This is the Christian message. This is the offer of the gospel. Not good advice. Not 12 steps to a happier life. Not life hacks or self-help. Only Jesus. He is with you. And he is more than enough. Amen.